From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, October 18th. Moab City recently paid out nearly $430,000 to a hotel as part of a settlement agreement. The hotel argued that the fees the city imposed on them to offset their impact on local housing were too high. Remind me about fee in lieu of construction. The fee in lieu of construction. Can I back up a bit? Yeah, of course. That's city manager Carly Castle. And yes, in order to talk about this $430,000 settlement, we have to back up a bit to 2018. That's when Moab City Council was under pressure. They had data showing more and more overnight accommodations in Moab, like hotels, motels, B&Bs, created a big demand on our town, a demand for employees, and a demand for housing those employees. The council's data showed how housing, affordable housing, was simply not keeping up with that demand. There was and still is a big concern that this community cannot house its own workforce. So in 2018, city councilors approved the Workforce Assured Housing Ordinance. We call it the Wahoo for fun and for short. The Wahoo tells developers to do one of two things in order to build their overnight lodging project in Moab City. They can also build some housing for the workforce, or they can pay a fee to the city's Wahoo fund. That fund can only be spent on affordable housing, basically projects, construction, maintenance, those those types of activities. The city created the Wahoo in late 2018. Just a few months later, they put a moratorium on overnight lodging. New hotels, motels, B&Bs, are no longer permitted uses in Moab City. So in that brief window of time between the city council creating a housing fund paid into by overnight lodging and then stopping overnight lodging, four hotels made it into the planning pipeline. Four hotels that either have to build workforce housing or pay into the Wahoo Fund. The Radcliffe, My Place Hotel, Staybridge Suites, and The Element. For full-service hotels, it's a pretty straightforward calculation. I haven't experienced a lot of resistance from those full-service hotels who just agree that that's what they owe and, and they, they just want to get it over with. Um, and, you know, some hotels are, are happy partners in it, recognizing that there is a need for this housing. It actually kind of benefits them because they want to be able to hire people locally. They want to be able to employ people can, who can afford to live here. But one of these hotels wasn't happy with their fee to the Wahoo. The Element sits just north of downtown. It's managed by Ensign Hospitality, which has hotels in tourist destinations across the West, including near national parks like Yellowstone and Zion. Here in Moab, they've built a 116-room property with an outdoor pool, hot tubs. Based on their square footage and impact matrix, Moab City calculated a roughly $750,000 fee to offset the element's demand on housing in town. The element argued it was too much. The basis of their argument was that the construction costs hadn't been updated, that there was constantly involving information about what it would cost them to construct the hotel. And when you're levying this fee, especially the way it was constructed by the city council, there's this uh, feasibility component. Is, Is the hotel still profitable? Can it still work, right? So we're not just talking about the impact to the community, but the business viability of imposing the fee, which is this this delicate balancing act. Ensign Hospitality did not return our calls for comment. In September, the Moab City Council voted to return $430,000 to them. I'll call for the vote. All in favor? Jason. There wasn't a lot of public discussion about this settlement. 
Before the vote, one council member simply said, quote, let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Motion passes 5-0. Manager Castle says this is the only time where the city has had to return some money from the housing fund back to a hotel. She sees this as situational and not indicative of a trend. She says the hotel... We were just able to make a particular argument about why... You know, we weren't meeting rough proportionality. You know, our lawyers found it persuasive. I found it persuasive. Right now, Moab City has $1.5 million left in the Wahoo Fund. They're currently using it for general maintenance and loan payments on Walnut Lane. The city bought the Walnut Lane trailer park in 2018 and has explored a number of proposals for building more permanent affordable housing on site, But so far, none of those plans have come to fruition. Castle says they're looking for a good way to invest in affordable housing in the community. Without new overnight lodging to pay into their housing fund, the city council is likely to look for other means of supporting housing solutions in the future. A tiny home village for unhoused veterans in Boulder County, Colorado, welcomed its first four residents this summer. The project is an example of how cities can work with developers to create housing solutions and turn neighbors into allies. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Alexis Kenyon reports. On a two and a half acre plot of land a few miles west of downtown Longmont near the city airport, Jennifer Siebold, executive director of Veterans Community Project, is showing me around the partly finished lot of Longmont's new tiny home village. So, I mean, this is, you're looking at the village space, the community center in the middle of the village here is where all of our services, on-site case management will happen. There are 26 quaint but sophisticated looking tiny homes. They have stone siding and large covered porches and will soon become transitional housing for unhoused veterans in Boulder County. You can see ceilings are pretty high in here. Makes it feel a little bit bigger. We don't do loft. Inside, the rooms are light-filled, and there's space for a table and a queen-size bed. So it's got everything your standard home has. It's just small. This project is part of a Boulder County-wide effort to end homelessness using a strategy called Housing First. The idea is that homelessness is caused because people don't have anywhere to live. And so if you want to tackle homelessness or solve it, you should start with giving people somewhere to live. Nicole Spear is a Boulder City Council member and says the county committed to this housing-first approach in 2017. You know, we have, I think since 2017 when we started this, we've housed about 1,600 individuals, which is a pretty substantial amount. And I think we can also see that it's not really enough. One of the biggest hurdles for the county, other than sky-high housing prices, has been finding a place to build communities for unhoused people. Kevin Molshine is a Longmont real estate developer. He says initially when the city of Longmont approached him about incorporating housing for unhoused communities in his real estate development, he was sure it didn't make sense. And it's really for the same reason that developers will always shy away and I would shy away from helping homelessness in a new development, which is you can't sell houses next to a homeless encampment. And that's understandable. In an effort to prove to the city of Longmont that it could not be done, he decided to go on a tour. He stopped at five different places where developers attempted to incorporate housing for unhoused communities within an otherwise typical real estate development. At his very last stop, Mulshine went to the flagship Veterans Community Project in Kansas City, Missouri. 
And what really did a 180 for me was it was such a vibrant campus and so so volunteer centric that I thought, you know, a new development, there's always this competition who can come up with the greatest amenity, which means the size of the pool and the workout facilities and all that. I thought, well, maybe one of the amenities you could do, you could do a, a village like this. And I'm 63. I'd love to walk down the street and help a, you know, a veteran with a resume or something. Maybe it's kind of a negative. We could actually turn it to be a positive because people will embrace compassion as an amenity. When Molshan got back to town, he agreed to donate 2.4 acres of land to VCP for the tiny home village. Another bonus, though, is that Longmont expedited his development process. He remembers one particular meeting with the mayor of Longmont and the founder of Veterans Community Project, Jason Kander. Jason said, look, we're on comment number three of about 500. Jason Kander said, I, I don't mean to be short, but can we get to every comment that's so important that I've got to go count homeless on the streets tonight? And that stopped the meeting. And the mayor said, we're not doing this. Let's just go to the important comments, address them, and move on with this project. And it's things like that where he just said, stop, we need to help these veterans who are homeless. And so well, they probably saved us two years of entitlement and, frankly, expediting the project didn't cost the city a dime. Molshine says, for the most part, the entire experience has been a win-win. He sold the VCP community as an amenity to the builders, and the people who moved in say they like to be able to walk over to the campus and work with the veterans. You know, and, I, and, and please don't take this as being cold. But I think I'm pretty close to the general population where maybe I have a little bit of a fear of living next door to a lot of homeless people. I don't have a fear of living next door to VCP campus. In fact, I live a bit a mile from this VCP. But I think if you then go to the other fruit that's also low hanging, could you help single moms? Yeah, you know, no kids should be homeless. And, and, and maybe someday we'll get to where a developer could do a housing solution for a general homeless population. I'm not sure. But being honest, we started the low-hanging fruit, which is almost veterans, and matched that with VCP services, and we said we'd do this all day long. It's a nice thing to do, and everybody wants to help a veteran. And as friendly and accommodating as VCP's model is to the house community, for the unhoused community and individuals living in it, the model leaves out a lot of them. According to Jennifer Siebel, VCP's executive director, VCP does randomized drug tests, so tiny homes are only available to veterans who have a record of being clean and sober and can stay that way. They won't take veterans with a recent history of violent crime, and the tiny homes aren't ADA compliant, so no veterans with wheelchairs or major disabilities. And then in terms of moving into the village, I mean, the biggest thing I will say is it's just a willingness to engage in working on yourself. And so if you're not willing to engage in that, it's, it's probably not going to be the place for you. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's really no major like disqualifiers. We can't have sex offenders just because we do a family units. For all the people who don't qualify to live at VCP housing or are not up for so much oversight, Siebold says they can look for services at other community partners. Absolutely. I mean, that's VCP's philosophy. And that's why I say we don't reinvent services. We partner with people who do those things well. Uh, that's really how we operate. I have to say, it is a community issue to solve. And frankly, I am incredibly proud of what the city of Loma has done. And But truthfully, I think it's just been a community-wide effort. And I see it as a partnership among all of those people. Kevin Mulshine thinks Developers and also cities can learn a lot from the way the city of Longmont dealt with the Veterans Community Project. 
or every time I see it, a large development approved that you know doesn't have any affordable housing. Local government, you kind of missed an opportunity there because it wouldn't have taken much, you know. And while Boulder County is on track to be the first subregion in the metro area to reach functionally zero veteran homelessness, in the past few years, more and more people are entering homelessness for the first time. Boulder City Councilwoman Nicole Spears says just in Boulder City limits, 300 BVSD students experienced homelessness last year. That number is close to 800 countywide. We also really have to be focused on prevention because without focusing on prevention, we can keep putting more and more and more money into enforcing our camping ban and, um, you know, putting people into housing and these building home programs. But it's like trying to put a Band-Aid on a dam that's about to break. The first four VCP tiny home residents moved in at the end of August. More will be able to move in as they complete construction of the tiny home village in coming months. In order to complete the project, Siebold says, they still need to raise about $6.4 million in capital. I'm Alexis Kenyon. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, October 18th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. 